stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Fittipaldi takes Daytona and the grid girls are gone. This is bound to be an interesting one on Motorsport 101. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 121 of the Motorsport 101 podcast. I'm your friendly neighbour, that's Mr. Andre Harrison, and um, whew, did anything happen this past week? Um, anything? I got my car and back. I... You did get your car back, that is very useful. Um, I, I, I will certainly say that much. Um, you got your car back. Um, yeah. As it turns out, they didn't really go any farther than the Walmart that's like right down the street from my house with it. <laughs> now this would have been that now I probably would have retrieved it sooner had I actually bothered to shop at this Walmart. Ah. Right. So it's like, in other words, for those guys that have been waiting two weeks on tenterhooks finding out to what happened to RJ's car, well, there you go. <laughs> but anyway, it's been quite a newsworthy couple of weeks to say the least, and we'll be getting into all of that very, very soon. But first I'm going to run down this my god, five person panel for this week's show. It's we have five people here, and it's kind of bonkers, including a new guest on here, which I'll get to very, very shortly. First up, uh, first up in the corner, as always, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Yep, still, still, <laughs> still trying to recover, but I'm here. Yeah, like, unfortunately, Ryan King was a game-time decision to be on this week's podcast. Unfortunately, he's got a bad case of man flu. Um, sorry about that, King. Uh, how, how are you holding up? Are you, are you going to get through the next two hours? I'll, I'll survive. I'll survive. I'm just expecting, like, a Gatorade commercial after this. If you remember this as, like, the performance of, like, a generation. I want the full, right. Mi- I want the full Michael Jordan flu game treatment. Now, 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 hold on, King. Um, in the event that you are unable to make future episodes of Motorsport 101, would you like for us to have you um, appear as a hologram in future episodes further on down the road? <laughs> I, no? I, okay, <laughs> yes. We'll go ahead and do it. <laughs> oh, dear. Representing Nashville, Tennessee, as always. And he's even gone Super Saiyan Blue for this week's episode. It's RJ O'Connell. Hey, everybody. Howdy, folks. <laughs> Um, yes, I, I have my car back. It, it was, it's a good time. I'm glad to have a car that I can actually go out and socialize with. Wonderful. I don't have to be a hermit anymore. Or at least more than I already am. Yay. And he's got his car back. And the blue hair is awesome. I, I'm here for all of that. Hey, yes. Hey. Aesthetically pleasing choices that I made because I'm an adult, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, who knew? <laughs> Uh, our super sub is back, and now she has an official like bio on the website right now. She's like she basically fed me with enough tablet and, and fudge where she's now got a permanent home here now. Apparently, I, I'm, I'm a very yeah, easy guy to please. Clearly, yeah, I'm stuck with you. Hi Zoe, how you doing? Okay, I'm just not going to think about how the rugby went last week and hope it goes better this week. <laughs> Lesson on that. Fine. Yeah, let's said on that, probably the better on this one. Um, but, my God, I am very excited to talk about our brand new guest on this show. This has been... I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Of all the people I wanted to get on this show, this was number one on the list for 2018. Um, 
She's a journalist. Freeracing.net talks about Formula E, Formula One, WEC, and God knows what else. Um, and probably the finest Formula E person I know right now, representing all of us here, Miss Hazel Southwell. Welcome yeah! aboard. Yeah. <laughs> <Woo! laughs> uh, that that is an incredibly flattering intro. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's good to be here. It's exciting to be here. <laughs> like I was nervous about this. Hazel was the one reassuring me that it's going to be awesome. So if she says <laughs> that, then I'm bound to take her word for it. <laughs> she has it, way it, too it's much faith be in fine. me. A lot of people consider me a, a, a reassuring presence, um, which I'm I'm not sure why. But um, a- apart yeah. from all those interview pictures you take on Formula events, where you look like you're about to kill somebody with your eyes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, may- maybe a lot of people just find a commanding death stare really reassuring. Um, I hmm. think I think maybe there's some illusion that like nobody could own this many ball gowns and not have their life together, which is very incorrect. <laughs> um, oh dear, oh dear. Re- relatively, gonna... I think we were going to talk about something kind of involving fashion. I know, right? It's it's it, that, that, that's that's just around the corner. Stay tuned. Um, but uh, yeah, that is a loaded five-person show for this week. It's 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 going to be lit, as, she, as, as Hazel herself told me about an hour ago. Bless her. Right, places you can find us before we really get into the meat and potatoes this week's show. Of course, we're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport One Hundred and One. If you want to hear a video blog about certain future topics that will be coming up very soon, just. Don't read the comments if you value your intelligence. Just take it from me on this one. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow us all personally, you can follow us at Deep Breath, at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King. That's with two Ks. Two Ks? Yeah, two, yeah, two Ks. Oh, fuck, that's something else. I thought I said two Js for a second there, and I very nearly went wrong. I saved that one nicely. And RJ O'Connell. See, that's how I almost made a mistake there. You see you see that? Js, Ks. Yeah, it's, all, it's, it's, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, at WeZoe and at HSouthWellFE. And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash monosport101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and Bike Live. We have a new episode go up on Monday to talking about all the news from the Sepang test. It's a fun time with me and Lewis Sutterby, so check that out if you haven't already. Right, after this brief musical interlude, we'll be talking about Grid Girls, your favourite topic on this show, obviously. (laughs) God help us. Okay, people, let's address the the elephant in the room. <laughs> or or now, the, the child in the room. Yeah, like the, the, the newly placed child that we borrowed from Formula E. Um, right, <laughs> so the day is January 31st, 2018. This is, so it's been a week already. This, it, it does not feel like a week, my God, but um, it has. Formula One put out this statement on their website, and all of a sudden, the world's gone mad. Um, the, quote, the, the headline on said post is, Formula One to stop using grid girls. You see, this is the part where you play, the, like, you play like some really majestic music. Um, 
I don't know. I think yeah. like yakety sacks would probably. <laughs> that that, that works too. Yeah, the statement reads: Formula One will end the long-standing practice of using walk-on grid girls, commencing with the start of the 2008 Formula One World Championship season. These changes also apply to our other motorsport series that take place during the Grand Prix weekends, i.e., Formula Two, GP3, Porsche Super Cup, what have you. Formula One considers the time spent by teams and drivers on the grid before races one of celebration, where guests and various performers can add to the glamour and spectacle of the Grand Prix, enabling promoters and partners to showcase their countries and products. Over the last year, we have looked at a number of areas which we felt needed updating, so let's be more in tune with our vision for this great sport, said Sean Branch's Managing Director of Commercial Operations at Formula One. While the practice of employing grid girls has been a staple of Formula and Grand Prix for decades, we feel this custom does not resonate with our brand values and is clearly at odds with modern-day societal norms. We don't believe that this practice is appropriate or relevant to Formula One fans old and new across the world. Well, that sounds kind uh, of like thoroughly thought through and, and it's it's been decided, so I don't think there's going to be anything really to talk about and uh, certainly no controversies here. Well, I have a yeah. differing statement from one, Nikki Lauda. Uh, oh, God, oh, here we go. Oh, I, I love when Uncle Nikki brings his reasoned and in no way attention-seeking opinions to the table. <laughs> has, has, uh, said no has, one uh, ever. Said anything yet. Yes, well, quote, Grid girls have always belonged in Formula One, and they should continue oh. to belong in Formula One. Women are stepping up into senior roles, and they have been doing, they have been doing it very well. It's moving in the right direction, but one does not exclude the other. I don't want to hold women back. I want to encourage them. If we continue down this path, there'll be no cheerleaders left in America. <laughs> and I'm like, that oh no, not the cheerleaders! <laughs> like, Please uh, don't no, drag no Daniel Bruhl like this. No cheerleaders left in America. What about cheerleaders in other countries? Is it only America's cheerleaders that are threatened by this move? Um, <laughs> that that last line was so random. <laughs> Oh, it's great. I love it when when uh, Uncle Nicky like just has a few beers and starts starts talking about the old days in Formula One. And there was um, uh, there was mm, there was another person who I didn't expect to agree with Nicky Lauda that agreed with Nicky Lauda. Who? Uh, Lena Gade. Uh, yeah, that one was <laughs> yeah. that, that one was a surprise to me. I was like, oh no. <laughs> Wait, what? It's the whole thing is a lot more complicated and nuanced than the people who have kind of celebrated the the this being announced and are absolutely peeved off of this being announced because the side that like the ones who have been really loudly celebrating or being annoyed with haven't actually read the comment, the full statement. They just read right. a headline that said Good girls are getting banned or However, a paper has decided to put it through. Or they've read the sub-headline that like, says Grid Girls no oh. longer fit with our brand vision, so it's Formula One thinking about its brand more than the sport again. Like, fuck me. I There are so many things that annoy me about this to the point of, like, absolute incandescence. Um, but, tell, them about us, tell them about it, Hazel. Uh, the, the fact that people keep saying it's a ban... Like, people keep acting like this is a government abolition thing, where it's like, we're banning modelling. All Lycra, it's gone. Um, like, that's not what's happening. Um, grid girls and promo girls are not being banned. Um, what's happening is that Formula One, right, very yeah. specifically, is yeah, not booking people to hold signs on the grid. That's, that's what's happened. Mm -hmm. And, like... Yeah. 
there is a huge difference between um, abolitionist acts and things that are just actually there is a changing tide in the industry and the use of women as promo girls is pretty naff and very 70s and like genuinely weird like we're all used to watching motorsport so you kind of get quite numb to it but it's it's genuinely strange and like a lot of my non-motorsport friends it's like it's something that kind of sticks out as a feature of it to them um it's certainly like i've had moments where even though i see grids all the time so like i don't get so like i'm just kind of like fairly like oh that's a thing um but like uh at the WEC weekend in silverstone last year Mm-hmm. They didn't have grid girls for the WEC, but they did for uh, some kind of baby series, maybe the F3. Um, and it was like teenage drivers and like young teenage drivers, because these guys were like younger than you'd be to get into F2. And like, fuck me, Formula One drivers are 18 now. So, like, you're talking a lot of them will be 15, 16. Standing next to full grown women in really tight, like, cat suits that were really, really plunging. And I was just like, oh, that is really weird. Like, yeah. And should I also point out, really weird. Um, Should I also point out as well, the WEC did away with this about three three seasons ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was was some, there was some uh, grumbling about it, but ultimately, you know, it didn't impact the product of the sport at all. Um, A lot of the people on top said this was overwhelmingly a positive move. John Heindel was actually advocating for Formula One to do something similar to what they eventually did, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think, um, you know, people need to stop talking about it as a ban. Like, there's a petition about it as though Mm -hmm. it's, it's a piece of legislature that's come through. That's it's not a ban. It's, yeah, like, it's not. Dots had a yeah, dots had a very similar level. yeah, dots had a very similar problem with this last week when they before a week before this announced they were not going to have walk on girls anymore, and there was a petition to bring that back out over fifteen thousand signatures, and it didn't exactly help when one of its most legendary figures, Raymond Van Barneveld, basically signal boosted it, saying, "Yeah, bring them back. We always miss the girls," which is amazing because his young Dutch counterpart and probably best player on the planet, Michael Van Gerwen, was the guy leading the charge to remove them and it got so bad that they were on this morning a couple of days later and engaging one of those usual this morning stage sort of debates about the whole thing didn't exactly help to say the least um so to follow through with this f1 ban well i shouldn't say ban sorry i should say it's an f1 removal i should say a few days later it's like it's gotten to the point where it's become like a national level debate like the sun the newspaper here, which I don't even like to quote them in this because they're fuckers, to say the least. But the day after they have the headline of Formula Dumb and, like, the sun calls it, calls people that are approving this snowflakes. And, like, I right. distinctively and yeah. I remember, like, I was like, the sun, like, didn't you guys remove, like, page three girls, like, being topless in the side of, on the inside of your papers? about three years ago, citing that the world had moved on and now you're cute. Cu- oh, like, only, only for, like, three snowflakes. weeks. Page three is back. I think. Right. Yeah. But I also just... think page three is different from this. And I, I would genuinely argue that page three is a very different yeah, it is. job. Because mm-hmm. page three is like the softcore end of, of sex work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's an odd thing to have in a national paper, sure. But like that to me is a, a separate role to... And there's been a lot of 
um, shit talked about this where people are talking about the fact that the girls do like very oh, sorry the women uh, do like very full roles actually they, they work with teams mm-hmm. they work with um, the promoters they're often booked for other events like I know yeah. that like d- uh, quite often the promo girls at something will then be also promo girls at an after party or something like whatever yeah um and I'm not saying that it's not a difficult job. Like, they, you know, it's physically exhausting and you have to be nice and smile and be, like, uh, good with sponsors and stuff. You essentially have to do a PR's job. Um, you don't get a permanent PR job and you don't get PR's wage, uh, quite crucially. Um, grid girls are employed seasonally for their local F1 race. Um or whatever series, but they're, they're local and they're supplied by agencies. So mm-hmm. Formula One phones up. I mean, if you Google Grid Girl Agency, you'll get about 5 billion even in the UK alone. Um, now, so Hazel. Get, sorry? Hazel, I, I want to I just stress here. Does it seem like in the last week that we have suddenly a lot of dudes who are really, really concerned about women's wage and women's oh, yeah, right yeah. Which, to work. Which is really great. I'm really, really pleased that so many of them are worried about women's employment in F1 uh, as a woman who's employed at least partially in F1. Um, mm-hmm. which, like, that's that's really awesome that they're also really invested in uh, particularly freelancers. Um, that's, that's something that's very important to me. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's been great that, that they've showed up in my mentions with so much concern, especially people who who don't even watch most sport uh, and in fact hate <laughs> right. most sport. Um, uh, but um, I'm glad to find out uh, that like uh, so many of them are invested in the idea that particularly their daughters could be grid girls, <laughs> uh, which is Amazing. kind of a whole other area to unpack. Uh, that I think goes firmly in a box marked like. Trump and then like pushed into dark corners. Um, I, yeah, it, it's really good that dudes are so concerned. Uh, the dudes are incredibly concerned, and and the dudes have been up in my mentions, full of concern. Same. Um, like so, I did make what was kind of like a funny tweet, and actually, like I shouldn't really have said this about somebody's job, uh, and it wasn't cool of me. Um, but describing the role that was being removed, which is an odd role, and it is a uh, that thing where uh, I think Kelly Sue DeConnick said it, uh, who's a, a comic writer. Um, she said, uh, "If you can replace a woman with a sexy lamp, then you haven't written a character, um, mm-hmm. and you could definitely put sexy lamps holding up the flags." Um, which to me, it's not that it doesn't make it a job, it's that it makes it a very strange way um, to be almost the only way that you visibly see women in Formula One. Um, what, what was your tweet that went semi-viral oh, sorry, regarding yeah. that job? So I, I said that if you, uh, if you don't want to watch Formula One anymore because you won't see women used as furniture, uh, then you're not a real Formula One fan. And you might need to be banned from Ikea. Um, <laughs> and this went a little way because I guess it's got that kind of catty element that the internet likes. 
and um, and uh, oh boy, the men. Um, they don't call it womenshins, do they? Um, oh jeez. Yeah. The, um, the oh no, the my fa- no, my favorite, my favorite is to refer to women as females. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, that's like your that's like your ultimate swipe swipe left alarm. Oh, trust me, like I like f- speaking from from my corner over here, man. Like, don't like, I mentioned it in, earlier on in the show, but like the comments I got on said video blog regarding this are from people that I know don't watch Formula One, and like it is every internet buzz term you've heard in the last two years. I was a, I'm apparently a, a, li- a liberal snowflake. I'm a cuck, I'm some kind of like liberal pussy, or I'm virtue signaling because I'm not talking about bigger issues um, like migrant rapes or grooming gangs like, apparently, because you know you've just spotted up on this F1 channel talking about an F1 issue, and you know I'm, I'm, apparently I'm virtue signaling now, that's great. Yeah, because um, I, I think that's another part of this issue where it's gone from this lane of being specifically a motorsport issue and it's shifted into mainstream political discourse which we all yeah. know is like the dumpster fire of dumpster fires in today's it's world not, it's not the dumpster fire it's the Philadelphia edition dumpster bath <laughs> yeah it's 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 the rolling dumpster fire gift that I often break out on Twitter myself on, on, on semi-serious sporting occasions um, like as you say it, it has evolved from a debate about having them there to a full on debate about Feminism, because I know some of the grid girls involved who have lost work as a result of this cited that as the reason that that you know they've lost their work here. And I quickly pointed this out, and I want to give credit as well to Motorsport Sisterhood and Bridget over there, who, who you know was very helpful in, in setting me up for this podcast this week, in saying, "Well, listen, who runs Formula One? Chase Carey at the moment, basically, is, is the most prominent leading figure at the moment, right? And they mentioned in the past, right." Who did he used to be the right-hand man of? Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> like, it's n- the no, damn no, no. social justice warriors at Tyranny Media who were turning this into the Formula Snowflake Championship. Because if I can't watch my half-naked women on the grid holding up signs tell me where Pierre Gasly is starting after grid penalties, this ain't racing anymore. Oh, one yeah. of my favourite comments, and like I was really glad to see Bernie Eccleston weigh in because I really value oh, his God. opinion. <laughs> this kind of um, uh, one of my favourite comments was that that it, it was a real shame to lose the grid girls because they he knows that they really helped the drivers find where to park. The uh, so arguably the the twenty or so best drivers in the world don't know where to park. I mean, they'll have to find it by themselves after the formation lap, but I I can see why that would just like, be... Like, have, haven't there been issues in the past where they have gave grid girls the wrong sign, so they ended up standing in the wrong spots for drivers? Yeah, yeah a friend of the show, Catherine Penn, pointed that out. I think it was the Italian Grand Prix last year where they actually put them all in the wrong spot when she was down there to watch it. I remember her tweeting me about that. I thought that was quite funny. Mm. Um, like, apparently the organisation is, is terrible and that could be a real concern. Like, it's like, I love that you came out with like a take that not only is really awful about grid girls, but also basically made your driver sound stupid all, the, all at the same time. That, that is, like, that, that takes that, some real efficiency. That <laughs> is Bernie in a nutshell. That is what I miss. That is what I miss. <laughs> uh, but, so, I, we so also... We. Uh, um, 
would we all like to just stop and grab a pint? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I I kind of looked into a phenomenon that happened in Scotland, started right about the same time as the Grid Girls, called the Lager Lovelies, which is basically tents had different girls and sort of various levels of dress, undress po and poses and had them on their cans. The, the girls enjoyed it, they got paid an absolute fortune, found the treatment they got from tenants a lot better than they even got from like uh, Miss Scotland and Miss UK. But by the end of the 80s it kind of got to this point where tenants looked at it and went why are we still doing this? Does our demogra mm -hmm. our target demographic of our drink actually like this? Do they care about this? Decided, no, not really. So, 89, they done their last set, and in 91, they got rid of it and replaced it with the tea. And then started researching into their demographic and then decided, right, they're going to clubs and music stuff. Let's create a music vessel. And so Tea in the Park was born in 1994. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I feel old even saying that now. And I'm only 25. I'm not even like the oldest person in this call at the moment. But here we are. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I'm actually on the bottom scale of that. Yeah, actually, yeah. Is amazing. You're, you're one of the younger people in the call. Right. I'm like the I'm the second... 101 young driver, Andre Harrison. <laughs> I'm, the really second, I'm the second thing. youngest person here like holy cow <laughs> you are very That's, young um, I say this I as know. somebody who I, I noticed that in uh, the description of this podcast you described it as people in their 20s uh, discussing my oh, yeah we no longer qualify sorry yeah, I've, I've <laughs> broken that duck sorry um Hazel, uh, you're ruining it for everyone. I, I am, <laughs> once again, I am ruining motorsport. Um, but yeah, sorry to, to get to uh, get back to what Zoe said with the tenants thing. So something that's important here, I mm. think, is that um, so Liberty are not a bunch of uh, SJW loving snowflakes. Um, no. Unlike our good selves, quite the opposite. Um, they are a marketing company. They have a job to do in having taken over Formula One. Bernie sold Formula One because it, there was a chance that it was going to cease to be profitable, not because he, because that's why Bernie would give up anything. He, yeah. And I, I think it, the specific um, point should be made Liberty that it wasn't Bernie it who sold. Knowing that Formula One had a shrinking audience, so Formula One's viewership is shrinking, which is making uh, sponsorship less lucrative. Um, Formula One's um, attendance is actually shrinking at a lot of races. Uh, Formula One is not economically viable for circuits to host in a lot of places. Like, Formula One has a really big structural problems at the moment, and one of it is that not enough people are looking at it. And fundamentally, if you are running a global series of this sort, you need uh, like bums on seats, whether it's in the stadium, uh, where whether it's at the circuits, um, or whether it is. Uh, sitting at home, subscribing to Sky or whatever the fuck. Um, obviously, there's very little free to wear Formula One anymore, which is one of its most major issues. Um, there's also uh, the oh shit! I've just realised I need to get a Sky subscription. Fuck! I thought 
<laughs> Sorry. Way um, ahead of you there, Hazel. I'm, I'm getting prepared this year. Uh, no, my Formula One job were going to give me free. Mm, damn. Anyway, <laughs> never mind. Um, uh, come down, mine. You can share mine. It's all good. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that would be fun. We could like have a media center vibe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, I can just go. Anyway. Whatever. Yeah, that, um, yeah that, that helps too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so. Um, yeah, Formula One have a really. Uh, or The FOM, as it stands, Liberty Media, under Chase Carey. Um, our new overlords have to do something about the fact that you get uh, Formula One drivers like Carlos Sainz saying none of his friends watch Formula One nobody young watches Formula One um, you get uh, I don't know why Toro Rosso were on like a real like shit on F1 Stormer last year maybe something to do with bad stuff happening to them I don't know um, mm. but uh, Daniel Kvyat said uh, like it's just unwatchable <laughs> about something and I was like well it kind of is um, and uh, Liberty have to do something about that they have to regrow the audience or else F1 is not viable in a very small number of years uh, when you're seeing things like the British Grand Prix potentially disappear simply because mm-hmm. it is not viable for Silverstone financially. Think of the poor um, grid girls that lose you, their jobs when Silverstone goes. There's a huge problem here. Um, one of the biggest problems with Formula One is you can change up all those sexy graphics. You can get in a sky pad. You can try and do more of the Formula E style data displays, which are interesting. Um and you can like try and improve the communication of what's happening in the races all you want. It's actually very poor um, still, uh, but that's a by the by. Um, but one of the biggest problems they have is that the entire Formula One, the, the whole gaze of Formula One, the way that the broadcast is structured, the way that the event is structured is entirely focused around something that basically grew in the 70s. Um, Grand Prix weekends have changed vastly uh, over the decades they're sort of like 60 years of Formula 1 um, but most of the kind of traditions and ceremonies are now set at things that, that happened in the 70s and 80s um, and one of the things that most starkly reflects that is the fact that you have people like and I'm just going to fucking call him out on it Sutton Images who is a very long standing Grand Prix photographer mm-hmm. and quite routinely his fucking Insta story over a Grand Prix weekend features pictures of grid girls' asses and like comments on the outfits not being sexy enough or some shit like that. Like, and Sigh. that that is just considered as acceptable to broadcast as part of Formula One because the whole of Formula One's broadcast structure reinforces that gaze. The whole of Formula One's mm-hmm. uh, self presentation is to please and appease and reassure fifty-something-year-old men that they are powerful. Um, that uh, they're very heterosexual. That this is so, uh, that by watching this, all of that is being reassured and pleased. It is an alienating gaze to uh, women, uh, to LGBTQAI uh, plus people, to to a large extent people of color, um, mm-hmm. which obviously there are like fifty-year-old men of color, but like it's still quite an alienatingly white image as well. Um, and it's yeah. this very specific uh, kind of fantasy of being uh, the equivalent of a mogul in the 70s or 80s, which, like, you know, obviously a lot of us are from the UK and, like, Project Utree, this is ringing bad bells. Um, mm. Like, oh, yeah. it's, it's 
such a bizarre thing and it's so outside the 20th uh, outside the 20th century let alone the 21st um that to have that as the very specific presentation of an entire sporting event like this is where a lot of formula one's image problems come from it's then as i said got further comms problems it's very difficult to describe the sport it's not talked about very excitingly and and very few people who talk or write about it talk or write about it as it is um but Mm -hmm. um the yeah like the reason that liberty have done this is that it has to stop looking like a sleazy 70s picnic um and there's no point pretending um that the grid girls weren't seen like that. You only have to look at comments from somebody like uh, comments from the drivers about them, um, at comments um, from almost exclusively older men uh, about you know what the role of the grid girls was. And um, Damon Hill, who I felt was being intelligent and honest here, did tweet that like, yeah, the women, the the absolute implication or the, the the kind of like nobody would speak this but it's there whether it is ever actually structurally true it is presented as the case that the women would be a prize for the winner um, and that is that something that is acceptable in like is a human being being a kind of used as a reward like no that's it's not okay um and like i think uh, the reason that we won't have good girls anymore is nothing to do with like feminists or snowflakes or um the grid girls themselves uh or even like actually the fact that some of the drivers are like openly misogynist um it's entirely to do with creepy dudes and the way that creepy dudes responded to them and the way that they reinforced a view that said that being a creepy dude was okay because of the way that the role was structured it was nothing to do with the girls themselves it was nothing to do with being sexy it was nothing to do with the outfits it was just that the bookings were made in such a way as to reinforce that view um, and yeah. the fact that Formula One has decided specifically not to make those bookings, um, that's, that can only be a step in some kind of correct direction in terms of changing up F1 enough to survive. Because, like, I rail on F1 all the time, but it is the horrible, is the pinnacle of motorsport in terms of a series that should be very viable, that has a huge audience. And in the same way that you can say, like, Premier League football is shit compared to, like, going down to your local club and watching it, um, in terms of the excitement, like, their number of passes and whatever, and, and, like, compared to, like, I don't know, rolling around on the floor pretending that you hurt your foot or whatever. Um, <laughs> like, if the Premier League dies, a lot of grassroots football would die at the same time. Um, and so there is a kind of, like, need to be invested in the future of Formula One and in its ability to be viable because fuck if f1 can't sort itself out then like a lot of other series are in a lot of bigger trouble um 
So yeah, sorry, I just like monologued for like ten minutes there. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- thanks for listening, everybody. Um, it's <laughs> been a fun podcast, yeah. No, okay. Hazel, you're doing wonderful, sweetie. I, yeah. I just want to add a couple of quick points here. Yeah. Um, there is a different perspective that I've found from women who are involved in the sport as engineers, as mechanics, what have you, and women who are coming in from the perspective of the outside. Now, King, as you mentioned, Lena Gade was one of those people who was more in favor of having grip girls on the point. But he does make a point of, out of all of this is that the reason why we don't have as many women involved as engineers and mechanics and racing drivers is down partially to the fact that they're not getting the right ed- opportunities in education. There is some of what she had said last week that I do not agree with. There is some that I entirely agree with. So there is that to be taken care of. Um, and, you know, this the whole thing as well, it's, it's a perpetuating cycle. Like, I've seen young drivers coming in um, being very disappointed that Formula One does not have grid girls, even if they're not involved in the series, because we're we're continually teaching our next generation of young drivers that this is okay. And you got to wonder mm-hmm. when does it stop? With what generation of drivers do we see this kind of just like, hang on, maybe this maybe this isn't normal and this isn't okay. Um, we've we've got some we've read some wonderful stories here. Um, friend of the show, Elizabeth Worth, put out a really exceptional piece, basically saying Indeed. that even even without grid girls, motorsport is still going to be okay. Zoe's piece has not gotten enough love researching the history of Absolutely the lager not. ladies. Go ahead, and, go ahead and read that. Yes, lager ladies. Um, but one of the other things is I've noticed on like both people who like who aren't involved in the sport. Are either speaking for or against the grid girls but the thing like when they're describing grid girls it's the 90s style grid girls the ones who mm-hmm. who where it was you had a lot of like the glamour models where you had like a uh, jody kid and jordan and all that i mean you just have to look up generally jordan f1 in the 90s and you'll get Oh yeah. So many pictures of like Jordan with Eddie Jordan with a Jordan in the background. Like Because of course. Uh-huh. Alliteration. Uh-huh. But you you've actually had the grid girls themselves have had to turn like so many of them have turned around and like, no, this isn't what we wear. Like, like Right. This... I, know, I, know, I saw I saw many examples of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. But they they've been kind of caught out because even uh, the other day it was uh, a, a Twitter account I followed mentioned that uh, uh, Crash Team Racing. Um, oh yeah. It was like it's been like so many years since it was released or something. And twenty, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the picture they had for it, it's you've got like a grid girl on it. What's this is mm-hmm. from '99, and it's and she is wearing what the grid girls of the era wore, and it's that kind of a. Until the 90s, like, grid girls have always been around, but it was the 90s that made the grid girls what they are. If you like, when you say grid, when people say grid girls, it's the 90s they think of. And I think that's kind of helped and hurt them a lot. Yeah. Because you get a lot of them are genuine race fans. Like, they love it because it gets them into, like, the paddocks. It gets them onto the grids that 
like no fan is like if they just went as a fan they were never going to get to in the case of Keiko Ohara, the racing driver, she actually got into racing through her opportunity as a great girl for Benetton in 1998 and went on to become a successful racing driver in her own right. Hmm. It's complicated, this one. Yeah. I'm just going to say, like, unless, huh? unless you're one of the sponsor girls, which pays much more, and, like, I... Maybe I was just offered a fantastically bum deal, but, like, uh, obviously, these days I am old and, and have resorted to uh, podcasts, the non-visual medium for uh, anything. Um, but uh, I, I was previously younger and hotter, um, and, like, I got offered some work as a grid girl, and the pay was fucking shocking. Like, I, I, like, I, it was better than retail, but it was not much better than retail. It, it was, like, for something where I'd have to, like, be physically well presented and do PR work for an entire day and it's a long day and you get cold like it was fucking rubbish like it certainly wasn't like because you were saying earlier Zoe like the lager ladies used to get like the equivalent in today's money of about £3,000 a day um, it, it is not that it was like I think 150 or something which is quite a lot for a day's work but it's not for something that's only an occasional gig like and maybe they just maybe i just um they weren't offering me very much because like i don't know bad hair or something but um yeah i i don't think i would necessarily defend these jobs as like lucrative positions for women in motorsport that's they're not sustainable that's i mean that's that's basically a one-off gig yeah, it's a one-off gig. They don't travel the circuit full-time most cases. It's really just one gig. Like, I get that, you know, your rent sh- your your landlord doesn't like having just 11 out of 12 rent checks a day, but at the same time, this isn't sustainable. I mean, one of the things, before Christmas on BBC Five Live, they had a debate about the good girls, and they had a good girl on, and even she's... Um, I think she 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 has a full time job, and it's in law or accounting or some some like she's getting that she's got this really good job and everything, and she still does but she does the grid girl thing because she wherever much she's getting whether the how much she gets changed or whoever she's doing it through is getting her good deals, mm-hmm. she, but. She, even she's saying like, yeah, you got to be there at like five o'clock in the morning. Like it's not just a you show up half an hour before they go onto the grid. I mean, if you, if you want to get into the hospitality at F one, sure. But it's not. There, there's been so much talk about it. Like this is like a real. People are being robbed of something incredible. These right, right. are not especially well-paid jobs. I mean, like, com- compared to other roles in racing that women hold. Um, right. Like, I mean, you know, I'm a freelance journalist and the pay relative to the amount you have to spend on the travel is pretty naff. 
Um, but like, uh, and I augmented by doing other work in between races. Um, the, the, the point, yeah, like, on the, same, like, the point on that five line debate that, yeah. that, that was mentioned was that it was like the, the grid girl they had on, I think her name was Charlotte. The key point was part time. Like, yeah. like, yeah, because like, like it's, one... it's one weekend a year. You exactly. m- you so... might do other promo roles, so there were def- there were definitely people who like professionally model as promo uh, models, um, but like uh, very few people who can actually make this equal career because it's not a well paying role. Unlike something like um, it gets compared a lot, although I don't think it's actually especially comparable to this but um it a lot of the the talk around this is sort of slightly centered around the idea that you're shaming women for having certain roles uh in the way that is quite often done uh culturally and in a very toxic way around uh roles like stripping uh or escorting um and like there you make a lot of money relative to what you would be making elsewhere here you make a tiny amount of money for one weekend a year. I, I don't actually really see this as an employment issue um, because it's not, it's not, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to like, Obviously, in terms of those kind of issues, it's more important to centre the voices of grid girls. But like, I think anyone who's reaching for that argument is is making quite a big stretch. No. Would be like, my view. It, like, I, I'm Indeed. willing. I'm willing to make the case. If it wasn't for certain advertising laws, grid girls probably wouldn't exist today. Because, like, for the most part, the reason why tobacco companies became interested in motorsport in the first place is because in in the early 70s the u.s government banned any tobacco advertising on tv and literally months later philip morris decided they were going to become the title sponsors for indycar and then uh you know other like mm, other companies like uh, l&m decided to sponsor you know formula three formula five thousand here in the u.s and uh you know Winston became the sponsors of NASCAR for, like, forever. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm so old, I remember Britain still having tobacco advertising on telly because it actually carried on for quite a long time. Uh, The Hamlet cigar advert in particular sticks in my brain. Um, But, yeah, like, now it's kind of... I know Formula One eventually banned tobacco advertising, but, like... You're right. It was just a case of getting more and more in literal inches of humans uh, that you could put uh, tobacco logos on, and like my God, it worked. I was in yeah. uh, Podgorica Airport in uh, Montenegro uh, a while ago, and I found myself buying. Um, God, I've forgotten the make. Uh, the the cigarettes that sponsored. Um, uh, and maybe it was Philip Morris actually. Um, whatever it, whatever the cigarettes were that uh, sponsored Damon Hill's car in nineteen ninety six, um, because like somewhere in the back of my brain I was oh, like, oh, I must have these. Um, uh, which like having that like deep in my brain for twenty one <laughs> years uh, is like it, it was effective advertising. 
Yeah, and because cigarette companies were effectively locked out of advertising anywhere else, they pretty much put all their money into sport. Like, in the early 70s, like, they were known for being the advertisers for women's tennis because up until that point in time, men's tennis players got paid four times as much as women did. So Philip Morris decided, hey, what if we sponsored... What if we used women's tennis to advertise Virginia Slims, cigarettes specifically designed... I mean, specifically marketed towards women. And it worked. And yeah, it's almost subliminal when it's in that sort of context, man. It's it's, it's like it is effective in that sense. I'm like, like more effective than I thought when I started talking to people about this issue. And it's like, it's it, it, these things do work. They do get stuck in your brain without even thinking about it half the time, man. But uh, whew, yeah, oh boy. And, and if it works in selling cigarettes. It might actually work in, you know, enforcing a certain view of women that you might have in your brain that you might not even realize. Almost like the folks who were up in arms about grid girls going away and the folks who were up in arms about tobacco sponsorship and motorsport going away. Almost like it's a complete and perfect circle. (laughs) Yeah, like the, the, the the Venn diagram is a full circle on this one. It's, it's, or something very close to that at least. Um, maybe an egg shape. But uh, yeah, it's 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 not ideal to say the least. I mean, I mean, I've kept very quiet on this one so far, and I I think people are like waiting with the pitchforks in case I I say something stupid here, because um, this is me we're talking about here. Like I've I've boo booed on many occasions, <laughs> but, but um, like I I did a piece on the website as well talking about this. I, I I mine was more a case of watching the response and seeing how it went down and. Hence why it was called Beyond the Grid Girl, because, like, it was, it was like, the, the toxic sort of response in, like, kick-firing arguments I saw about this was ridiculous. Like, the ripple effect of it, you know, was, was, was bonkers to me. And, like, like it's mentioned, it mentions a lot of points that have already been mentioned, like Zoe saying, like, their idea of a grid girl image was the 90s, where the outfits were ridiculously skimpy. That's how I remember when I first started watching Formula 1 in the late 90s, that's... That's certainly what I remember. So there's there's definitely an element of truth to that for sure. Um, but like for me, like the moment when I realised they did get this is a bad idea was when my own sister, when I was watching the 2015 Italian Grand Prix with her, said, "Well, why are all the girls holding the signs?" And I was like, I couldn't give her a straight answer as to why that was, and I was like kind of embarrassed for myself after after realising that. Well, wait, like I couldn't give my at the time, seven-year-old sister, a valid response as to why that's a thing, and no, yeah, it, like, it's, it, it doesn't contribute to the sport. No, it doesn't. It doesn't in, in not in any significant way, shape, or form. It's it's there as decoration, and that and you know, go oh, go on, King. Yeah, and it kind of says a lot when like the mainstream idea of what Formula One is is Formula One in the late nineties. That's the last time when Formula One was relevant to anyone who wasn't a motorsports fan. Yeah, because it was a lot more popular back then. Michael Schumacher was king of the world in, in, into the early two thousands. Well, and a lot of people that were my sort of age were were, were watching F one in, in its peak. And how I saw a lot of the people on Twitter when this news dropped talking about, again, like, deflection tactics, like, mentioning, oh, well, the teams are still really uncompetitive and the cars are still, like, wrong and, you know, we should be fixing these other issues instead and I'm like, 
ironically, one of them was a significant guy in esports who I know for a fact always harkens back to Formula One before the years of 2008, which is just like every internet joke as a millennial growing up now. Seeing it's like it's the why can't we go back to the V10 guy? And I see that one so often; it's fucking ridiculous. And like like I said before, the amount of, of like deflection and virtue signaling tactics I've seen here are ridiculous. I saw a, re- a response to saying, oh well you know, Jenny Gao was pro, was like was like anti-grid girl, and but then she's now in the race of champions in Saudi Arabia how does that work? And I'm like you do realise we race in Baku, right? Like in Azerbaijan, which is basically a dictatorship. We do realise we race in Bahrain that only gave women the right to vote in 2003, and we're surprisingly okay, but it's like, like two can play at the whole virtue signaling game here, but Not like we're at- we race in Sochi, yeah. which is uh, right. Uh, Hello, let only a few hundred miles from the uh, camps in Chechnya, where yeah. they led accused homosexuals are being rounded up. Like yeah. You know, F1 is not motivated by ethics. And yeah. if no, this was isn't. actually really about ethics and not marketing, mm-hmm. um, then... Oh, which kind of feeds into... We should move on to the second part of this discussion at some point. But they really... Yeah. Uh, because there are two We parts, have grid Because that was now. how they released it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, I completely <laughs> forgot about the second part. That, that they're grid kids now. The joint initiative will involve the local Grand Prix promoter working alongside ASNs, the FIN-recognized national sporting authorities, will provide a unique opportunity to youngsters and their families to be part of one of the most exclusive and exciting moments of the whole Reese weekend. The youngsters will be chosen by their motorsport clubs on merit or by lottery and will already be competing in karting or junior formula. The lucky few will then be able to accompany and stand alongside the 20 best drivers in the world on the grid as they prepare for the race. So again, this is something the 20 best from drivers in the world on from... the grid. Oh no, there's probably some comments there. I was just thinking, like, there's only really 20 yeah. drivers <laughs> on the grid. Yeah, yeah. Keep that as you may. You know, this, this is still really awesome. And hey, you know, that's awesome for these kids. You know, like, one day you could see, oh, there's like a future world champion standing on the grid as a, uh, as a grid kid. That's really awesome. Yeah, but there's there's a couple there's like layman's terms. Basically, the the local motorsports club, like in terms of like the British Grand Prix, it's most likely going to be the MSA picking whoever the grid kids are going to be. Yeah. But like people just assume just because you use the ter- the term kid that they're going to be like someone under the age of fifteen. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 child labor king. It's <laughs> like they went they went they went for the cheaper option. They're like you know we're going to have the kids in, and I'm like. Like, I legitimately like, saw like that in Montreal, they had a grid kid who was twenty three. Like, they, it could be anyone. Yeah, it's it's you're not gonna have a bunch of five year olds like suddenly like running onto an F one grid holding these boards. Like that's like apply some fucking nuance no, I mean, they'd be, here. People, they'd be the drivers if we had five year olds. <laughs> they'd be the drivers. Yeah, well, give give a modern give a modern day F one as Max Verstappen Junior will be on the grid sometime next year. But uh, you know, it's it's. It's it's not ideal to say the least, but like they're not gonna have suddenly have like five year olds like on the grid running a mark like it's some sort of like child mind has gone wild or something. Right. It's, and I'll say it's not perfect, you know. Um some people have raised the point that maybe this shouldn't go to kids who already have a lot and that maybe there should be oh some opportunities God. for people from underprivileged communities well, to be a part I of hate this. I hate that argument so bad. I hate that argument saying that, oh, it's only gonna go to the quote unquote rich kids because they're the only kids in carding. And I'm like, 
Well, that says a lot about motorsport if that's the first, like, defense you're going right. to. Right. <laughs> uh, like, 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 breaking news, motorsport is expensive, more at 11. Like, Should Jesus. Back in 2014, it was pointed out that a lot of the Premier League and Scottish Premier League teams were charging over £400 for your your child to have the privilege of being a mascot and going on with a player. That ain't cheap, yo. And yeah, like, I mean, but, but, I, but again, in like the Premier League, like it's slightly different because teams play 14 home games a year, so they're like... It's not like... 19. Ni- well, yeah, 19, <laughs> wow. Yeah, 19 home g- games a year, while, like, the MSA, they only have one opportunity to do this every year. Mm-hmm. I know, but it was just, when they're great, like, I don't, I think after that whole thing, it's now just, it's a lottery, you you just have to be part of their, their sort of kids club. But, yeah. like, that kid, like, you had the child labour thing, and the other thing was, eh... Uh, which, ironically, a certain journal- F1 journalist had commented about why he didn't want grid kids last year. The perverts are who could, who, could, who could that possibly have been? <sighs> Someone who probably isn't good enough to cover their tracks to get a job at the Motorsport Network, but who's to say? <laughs> Yikes! But it was, it was like, they're saying, like, perverts and that, and it's like... Buddy, yeah. that's a you problem. Uh-huh. It's like you have, you are basically take like you have decided, right? Good girls, they're scantily dressed, because they're scantily dressed, the kids are going to be scantily dressed. I mean, yeah, I buddy, did... that's a you problem. Uh-huh. That is a you problem if you were thinking that, and you need to go far, far away, probably to like at least a moderate security facility. <laughs> oh God, I still remember yeah. when. Uh, Sophia Flores was in the Genetas like a couple years ago and she was getting catcalled at the age of 14. Jesus Christ. 14? Well, yeah, that, that seems like a very high school thing to do, actually, to be fair, which doesn't surprise me that much on how I stopped to think about it for more than half a second, but Jesus. It's, it's, it's not ideal. It's like, it's, it's, like, people are just that afraid of change in general, but it's, 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 it's alarming how defensive like people will pretend to, to like care about these women's jobs and like pretend to care about greater issues in society just to protect their right to masturbate to a sport before the race kicks off i don't understand this logic it's it's I, neither do i you are already invested in one of the few sports where death is a possible constant every single of every single time you turn up mm-hmm. What the fuck do you need this extra excitement for, you absolute oh. dipshits? A, a dude, a dude rocked up into my mentions to explain that to me because um, obviously I, I, I don't understand these things with my weak and female, uh, feeble, woman's brain. Um, but uh, apparently, I'm very wrong to call uh, the use of models irrelevant to the sporting process because otherwise, how would men be motivated? To drive Formula One cars. <laughs> if you, I mean, like just a quick round the table. If you were offered the chance to drive a Formula One car, would you turn it down if you couldn't park behind a woman's ass beforehand? 
Look, I'm just saying that this Rene Arnoux-Gilles Villeneuve battle may have been quote-unquote the greatest generational mo sporting moment of the late 70s in Formula 1, but it's missing a scantily clad woman posing on every side of the letterbox frame. Oh my god. If, if not for that, it, as, I, as it stands, it's only above average. Uh, I mean, uh, as just, you, you, you listen, or you read what they're saying, and it's like, like, I, I said, like, they're going to, because the, obviously they're not going to have the grid kids do everything. They're literally going to be going onto the grid with the sign, and that's it. That'll be their entire part of the day. They're still going to need these models and to, to be spokesmodels. They're still going to be there. They're just not going to be this 20 of them standing on the grid. And True that. Though, thing... I, one random note I do have to point out. Somebody pointed out that it is in the sporting regulations that no one below the age of 16 is allowed to be in the pit lane. <laughs> ah, that is true. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. How did how did they smuggle Verstappen in to drive a car in back in 2014? That takes some doing. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, there's always some like uh, really great signs in pit lanes in uh, permanent garages that are like both no smoking and no under 16s. Sometimes no under 18s, depending on the circuit, because um, like obviously. F1 grade circuits and MotoGP grade circuits and whatever are different, uh, but it quite often looks like it's no smoking only if you're under eight, uh, under 16, uh, and like anyone else, absolutely fine. But we've got to crack down on those children. Yeah, the, these these extremely underage smokers, we need to stop. People just slightly underage, you're fine. You keep smoking. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Man, oh man. But yeah, where, where, where do we go from Grid Kids? Is, is Grid Kids the, well, lack of a better term, final solution? No. Uh, no I mean, I think we can go to Grid Dogs. We could get the driver's pets, most of them. <laughs> I was actually going to say, just like there's the puppy bowl that goes on at the same time as the Super Bowl. We're going to have a puppy oh, it... that'll have on its side, it'll have the, na the name of the driver and the other side will be his number. And that if, will sit there and be a good boy. If, if there was, if there was like a Sunday afternoon war between Formula One and puppy racing, Formula One, you're in big trouble. Yeah, you've had <laughs> it. I'd just like to say this was a real challenge for Formula E fans this weekend because they did on the channel that would otherwise show it live, maybe one day. Uh, they were showing a program about dogs instead. Yes. Great little puppy. Can we you, also you, mean, you, mean, you, you mean it wasn't the seventeenth episode that a marathon of can't pay will take it away? <laughs> like, shit. But uh, just trust me, just trust me on this one, Coco Roscoe Hamilton. That's the dynasty of the future. That's the dynasty we're not talking about yet. Yeah, I mean we haven't. It's really Roscoe's world. Them, we're just living in it. Do you think? Do you think Mercedes can set Coco and Roscoe against each other? No, nah, I, I think they're going to compete as one as a replacement for Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> and, and, then, and then Sky will, will orchestrate a beautifully done feud over the next four years as, Lo as Lewis Hamilton takes on both his dogs as we come up with every narrative to put down Coco and Roscoe as a team at every opportunity. I think dogs should drive for Force India! 
I I don't think Roscoe has the mental fortitude to be world champion. I'm really sorry, you guys. I, 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 I think I think he needs that champion's mentality to win like Lewis Hamilton does. And and then we next race, Roscoe pushes the Hamilton. We haven't talked one. about the fact. Like, people are so tweaked about Formula One that we haven't even mentioned the fact that they moved the start times up an hour and ten minutes, and people are heated about this. Actually, this is a travesty! The, like, funny to the thing. point that I imagine. Like, funny thing, okay. they, they, they say they did this to appease Americans. Because they changed the start time, I can't watch races anymore because I'll have to leave to go to work. Thanks, Liberty Media. <laughs> tyranny, tyranny media countering to their American snowflake audience once again. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pretend that the races start at 8. I'm just going to disregard everything that happens on my screen at 9, 10, or later, and I'm going to just make up my own fictional world championship based upon it. But I'm, I'm, you know multiple Kaskin. people will jump on this. It's like some flat earth People will jump on this and soon we'll have thousands upon thousands of interpretations that are all different of the Formula One World Championship. And at least half of them involve Matt's Verstappen winning 20 out of 20. But will Atlantis oh, be there? 21. <sighs> if we, that happens, you what, have my one permission of those to shoot me. Is Paul Ricard. So... Mm -hmm. Don't necessarily have to turn up for that. Right. Can I just, just out of clarification? No, it's like an hour and ten minutes. It's the ten minutes, so then they can have it. Yeah, I mean, that that everyone like yes. anyone who does going just the race, they for... can just have a wee bit and then the race. Yeah, that yeah, is exactly. essentially your built-in pre-show time for for companies like say. ESPN, who don't plan on having a 30-minute pre-race show as they did with their previous uh, Formula One United States broadcaster. They can get it all neat and tidy within 10 minutes and start at the top of the hour. Comfortable. Yes. Um, I mean, I, so... I reckon you could pretty much do that. I mean, you just say, like, come on, guys, it's this shit again. <laughs> yeah, Lewis Hamilton's probably going to win. Let's see how he does it this week. <laughs> It's like, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, like, because nobody ever really talks about anything interesting in Formula One anymore. And, like, this is kind of, I guess, getting back to the comms problem that I was talking about. But, like, yeah. uh, because Formula One is actively embarrassed by the things that make it interesting, like the complexity of the hybrid power units, which are really interesting. Um, but, like, because, again, the culture about the way that we talk about Formula One is not to get nerdishly excited in the way that we do in Formula E. Um, it's it's to, like, uh, to hide that and to kind of solemnly insist with, with a self-sneer that this would be better if it had V12s, which, like, V12s were not only not more reliable, they were slower. Um, uh, and they were only seemed like they worked because you could literally chuck them out of the car after the end of every single session. And even then, Lamborghini ones had a failure rate of over 55%. Uh, so, yeah. like, I don't want to hear shit yeah. about naturally aspirated V12s ever again in my life. And I know it's going to happen, and it still makes me mad. But, um, oh God. Uh, like... Yeah, no, nobody really talks about F1 in a way that's interesting. So it is just a people, a bunch of people, like the pre-show shit. It's just a bunch of people wandering around a paddock uh, saying functionally really meaningless stuff because they're not diving into the sport. 
because they it's almost like it's taboo to do so mm-hmm. yeah oh, because man. it's, it's almost it's almost like intellectualism in any way shape or form is discouraged in formula one despite also marketing itself as the technical pinnacle of motorsport at the same time it is so weird Mm. And all of its fans telling you how much more refined and sophisticated they are than the average NASCAR fan who is only used to 500 laps of left turns. <laughs> oh my god, the, the... Says yeah, and, the, and fi- the, the 49-year-old like, because... vote lever. <laughs> this is where the, uh, the, the whole gaze of Formula One is so important. It's in the framing of the way that it's broadcast is that it tells you you're clever just for showing up basically because it's like this is the pinnacle of motorsport this is for very elite people um and it's partly why that uh, there's such a like culture of like almost blood sport around the drivers so like if they're not performing then they've got to be railed on until they're like dead and like um uh, by a bunch of people who in no way could drive a formula one car obviously uh and like the there's a genuine kind of like lust for conflict and like bad drama we know and we know that a lot of people watch formula one for the crashes even though the crashes are when people can get very very seriously injured um we know that like that there is this the the hyper masculine gaze of formula one has reinforced uh, a criteria for entertainment that are, are not only as Lipsy media put it like out of step with the current world um but which are like pretty sick a lot of the time um and one of the ways and and so because it's presented in that framework the only way that it can judge itself currently is to say that it's boring, that it's uh, that the the engines don't make the right noise, that like um, which I don't even get me started on that. That's a whole other forty-five minute discussion. Um, <laughs> that like Good there's uh, you know that that the drivers aren't real men anymore. That like because they're not I don't know downing a pint before they get into the car whilst smoking like 10 Rothmans um, oh Rothmans that's it that's the yeah, cigarettes yeah. I bought because of Damon Hill um, uh, they were quite good um, uh, if you <laughs> smoke which you shouldn't don't do that kids um, kids kids don't do cigarettes Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't do cigarettes, it, it causes please. cancer it causes cancer it, it verifiably does um, even if they did use sponsor formula um, and yeah uh, like it, it has to self-critique because the way that it's framed is to present something that no longer exists um, and that's not being the pinnacle of anything certainly not technological advancement and it's it holds back the reputation of Formula One which holds back manufacturers from being interested in it because if you are a manufacturer in Formula One if you're Honda or, or Mercedes or Renault uh, or Ferrari, then like this is a colossal investment. This is like mind-boggling amounts of R and D money, um, mm-hmm. and if it's Billions. not effectively selling your cars, 
because uh, Honda, for instance, really want to reach new demographics and younger demographics by being in Formula One. That's quite difficult with the way that Formula One acts. Um, and so it's very, it's hard to see how Formula One can survive if it doesn't change that. Yeah. Um, because, you know, beyond the fact that there might not be any viewers there might not be anyone to make power units in three years or whatever uh, Renault are already kicking off over the 2021 regulations which they're right to because it is essentially moving it to a, a part spec formula um, where the most technologically advanced part of the power unit will be spec um, everyone will have the same MG UK and the MG UH is gone um and like this yeah formula one's got to do something about how it sees itself and yeah. i think there's going to be huge amounts of old media that uh shit themselves very publicly and in incredibly embarrassing ways about this um it, but like formula one shitting itself publicly and embarrassingly is not really a news story yeah, that's kind of, like, been the thing for, like, the past, wow, it's been a long time, because, like, I in mean, my... I like, remember the pink car debacle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a fucking oh, pink car, man. No, but I, I'd car. say this This goes, like, to me, this goes farther back. Like, to me, this is, like, a what-if situation. Would it have this had happened if Formula One didn't have this, ex like, existential <laughs> crisis when, you know, the Great Recession happened and then mm. Honda, Toyota, and BMW all had to pull out because, like, Formula One really wasn't economically viable for them anymore. Yeah. Um. And just when everybody said that Toyota was on the brink of cracking it in F1 and people said their 2010 car was going to be outrageous. And that's just when they quit. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, that's the kind of comment that it's, it, uh, you know, it's... Um, like, you know, it, we can all have had a really good engine in retrospect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, like, when, when basically, like, the other consequences of the Great Recession were Formula One needed more revenue, so basically free-to-air TV was done for. Yeah. Right. So basically, Formula One put themselves into an existential crisis caused by their fan demographics of the fans that they had left and yeah we're, we're here now <laughs> small potatoes people small potatoes but uh gosh like it's 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 it, you know it's very similar to how people talk about the premier league now in football now and like people are so blown away by these transfer fees which hey to a degree they've got a right to because the amount of money that's in that's in football now is obscene like when when, when Sunderland who were the bottom of the Premier League got 90 million pounds last year in TV money alone it's it's ridiculous but at the same time I was telling people three or four years beforehand when Sky got the got, got the TV rights and they were needing for five billion pounds I said to people, listen, that money's all going to the clubs and transfer fees are going to skyrocket. Yeah, and the thing and is, transfer fees are never going to go down because you pay a transfer fee to who? Another club who are going to use that money down the li line to pay another transfer fee. The money isn't yeah, like, leaving the system. 
Yeah, like it's not like like like, like, like why do you think Barcelona dropped 140 million on Felipe Coutinho? Like he would normally go for half of that, even two years ago. They're doing it because they just got 200 mil from flipping Neymar like six months ago. So that, like that's how the game is now and. Like compared to where Formula One is right now, like it's 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 the similar it's a similar ball game right now, and people don't like to talk about that. They don't like to talk about like the, how the revenue is split, and that's another issue that, that F one you know Cause people, has got. Where people don't care about economics, Dre. Economics is not sexy, but I will make it sexy on this podcast one way or another. God damn it! I did it in A levels; it was great. Um, it's one of the things I was actually good at, like like business studies and like basically getting picked on for having a girlfriend. Weird things, but I was really good at business stuff. It helps. But um, like I said, man, it's yeah. F one is in a deep existential crisis, and yeah, like having grid goals was one of those problems. There's bigger fish to fry still, but hey, hopefully it's a work in progress. Yeah, you, you, you get the easy things out of the way first, and also right. the people who handle, like, they're not doing the same jobs. No, it's and like I said, the feminists aren't coming for F1. Like, they're not running the sport. They're not removing them, you know, because, because like, the other feminists are coming after the pretty girls' jobs. As much That's as I m- wish they would. Yeah. <laughs> As much as they would, they're not. Like, 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 Chase Carey isn't at home, like, deleting comments on his on his on his blog about you know, like, being an SJW warrior, or being a cock who's a liberal snowflake. Yeah. That's not how yeah. this works. Part, part of me fears for when when times up comes to F one because, oh god, oh boy. <laughs> We're going to have some very difficult conversations. Luckily, this is the sort of podcast that embraces that sort of thing rather than basically looks at a deflection tactic. Um, so, spare in a moment decision. This is going to be a two-part podcast now because we've talked about this for quite a while, <laughs> to say the least. And we thank uh, you for listening. Yes, we do. We do. We really do. But like I said, just to wrap this up, I think this was the right decision by by Liberty Media. And no, I, I people people on my Facebook were saying that oh, you know, like guys, you're not gonna this is this isn't gonna open the floodgates talking about you know, getting women into the sport. And yeah, like absolutely I completely agree. It will not. You would, you would have but, to be an idiot to believe that. Right. And like I, I, you know, like I said, like people will look for any deflection tactic they can to to not talk about this issue because they don't like change and whatnot. But for me, I think they had to go. They like the role they represent was wrong. It, it, it is a representation that I don't think is relevant to Formula One. Just like Sean Bratcher said in his statement, it's not relevant anymore. They don't need to be there. Like and like, I, I hate all the arguments that have been made to defend them in this. They, they barely exist. They're all straw man arguments. Like you don't really care about how much these women get paid. You don't really care about about you know their all of a sudden their well being. Like redundancy isn't a matter of you know like you don't get to say for example right that you know oh we're making you redundant at your job <laughs> and I'm like no, but I really like it. Like that's not how this works. That's not how redundancy works. Trust me, I've been there. But Trey, um, Trey, we love Manor. They should come back. We love them. <laughs> Have you got a hundred million quid to give him? But no, my love is enough, Dre. <laughs> of of uh, course, they can't you come know. Robo Race uh, live in their factory now. No, <laughs> no. Remember, what's going to happen is it's going to be Robo Racing, and the Robo Race cars are going to be driven by sex dolls. That's what's <laughs> oh, going to happen. Let's end the show now, please. <laughs> 
And on that note, we're up out of here. But like, I, I, I will say as a final line, and I will borrow this from Jack Nichols, who we'll be talking about a little bit in the Formula E part in part two, a sport could still be glamorous without potentially alienating half your audience. Oh, God, we didn't even get into that. Oh, let's just end it now. Let's... Women, like... Women are not the only... Let's just end everything now. <laughs> <sighs> and on that note, see you in part two. After the three, one, two, three. That sounded good. I'll, I'll, yeah. I will go with that. <laughs> um, I don't clap. Oh, <laughs> that would just do the clap again. I'm okay. sorry. Sorry! I, <laughs> I, sw- I swear I to God. Went so I just went dead and came back. You went, that was good. <laughs> Okay. Lewis, you have your post-credits scene. <laughs> right. Here's your feeling okay. of her this week. <laughs>